This is episode 127 with Nadia Norman. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on your impactful journey. You're about to hear from a very empowering woman, and I believe that you're going to get a lot of value from this episode. Just quickly, though, before we do hear from Nadia, we have the next round of our online program kicking off called Optimal You, how to transform and optimize your gut health and gut brain connection. This is the one that functional medicine practitioner Carl Hewan and I have collaborated on to help you guys cut through the confusion and get some clarity about your health and well-being from the gut and beyond. Here's what a couple of previous participants have said about the program. So Adrian said, the content was very informative and delivered in a way that was easy to comprehend. We have both learned so much from your presentations. Adrian and his wife both did the program. Having all the material available to continue to revisit is extremely beneficial. Being away from home and working in a stressful environment always seemed to be filled with huge peaks and troughs. Now, having the tools and knowledge from the Optimal You program, this has led me to become a more balanced, energetic and consistent person. The greatest learnings that have come from the course, though, are those we have been able to pass on to our children. They've both become very aware of what foods are good for our bodies and what are not. The best lessons are taught to our children not telling them but by living those lessons. And if that's the only lesson I could pass on to them, I know they will live their lives in the best of health, the greatest wealth. This program has given my wife and I simple steps and great resources to guide us in becoming healthier and better role models for our kids. I love that. Now, Adrian's wife, Yuko, also completed the program with Adrian and she wrote a beautiful review, part of which she said... It actually made a huge difference, like it was easier to get up in the morning feeling light, never feeling bloated. The breathing techniques were great, I should remember to do them more. She said, I think the knowledge you guys have given us was amazing and I hope lots of people try the program. I highly recommend it for all 30 to 50 year olds who feel uncomfortable after eating but don't know what the cause is. Oh, I love this kind of feedback. Yuko also explained how she's printed some of the material and put it on the fridge and their children love asking about and learning about the healthy options. That's what I love. That's a ripple effect right there that can save illness, mental health problems and even diseases in the long term. Guys, as you know, I could talk about this for days. The importance of understanding and respecting our gut health and gut brain connection goes deep and the impact lasts a lifetime. If you want to improve your health or your family's health, jump onto the website now and check out all the info at yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash gut health. 
Reach out to me directly anytime with any questions at all too. Carl and I are even happy to jump on the phone and have a quick chat to help you create clarity and understand just how beneficial this program can be for you. Now, just remember this is not a course with tests. It's you going through the information when it's suitable to your schedule and it's us consistently providing extra value through live Q&As and our knowledge sharing platforms. So it's at yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash gut health. And make sure you're following us on social media too because we will be doing a couple of giveaways and jump onto our private Facebook group for this podcast and have an extra opportunity where we'll be giving away an extra place in the program through there. Okay, who is this Nadia Norman? She is a woman's health and performance coach, author, speaker, podcast host, and all-round empowering legend. Nadia has been in the personal trainer industry for 20 years, and in 2014, she was awarded the Australian Fitness Network Personal Trainer of the Year Award. Her career has seen a massive shift to online coaching and business coaching over the years as she responded to her deep internal drive to impact more people at a greater level, especially women in the fitness industry. I loved this epic chat with Nadia because she has just such an abundant, great energy. She sees the world from an empowering perspective and she has a lot of knowledge about personal growth and development. In this episode, we discuss tenacity, resilience, and grit, where global mentors, sorry, we discuss uh, global mentors that Nadia gains most value from, which are people that you can all start to learn from too. We discuss why she's now focusing all her energy on creating a tribe of badass fit biz women who transform worlds. We talk about relationships and how she and her husband, Mike, create strategies for always improving their dynamic relationship, what she finds to be people's greatest limiting beliefs and how she coaches them through it, what her core value of freedom really means and how she helps others create freedom in their lives. We discuss the rise of feminine, nutrition, intermittent fasting, and so much more. So let's just get into this. Let's now hear from the legend herself, Nadia Norman. So Nadia, you've been described as a tweet, small in stature. <laughs> so the, a tweet, so for everyone listening, I'm talking about Twitter here, but a, you've been described as a tweet, which is small in stature, but you deliver an impactful punch. Please enlighten yeah. us. Why would people prefer to you like this? <laughs> I don't know. And the ironic thing is I don't even use Twitter. So actually, this was a, a friend of mine. She she just could not stop it. She was like, oh, my God, you're such a little tweet. You just come in and you're just like a, a, a little pocket full of punch. And I was like, oh, I'm going to take that as a compliment. So <laughs> I'm not going to question it. I'm just going to roll with it because it kind of sounds cool as well. Well, how do you see yourself? Oh, that's a really good question. I probably would say, I think I do align that to being, you know, quite small and, and, and punchy. I wouldn't say I'm everyone's cup of tea and I don't try to be everyone's cup of tea either. I try to be as authentic to me as I 
as I can. But I'm definitely somebody who has a passion for life and is, is super passionate about the things that I, I care deeply about. Well, when when I think of you as an impactful punch, I also attribute your authenticity and alignment, I guess. To me, well, I haven't known you for that long, but you seem like you're a person that represents a determined grit mindset, but coming at it from a really congruent perspective, knowing what you want and congruent too in the way, not a Gary V hustle your life away perspective, but I don't know, is that fair to say or am I way off track? <laughs> no, no, and I, I appreciate that insight from you. That's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, grit and tenacity. Tenacity has probably been a word that I've been has been used to describe me since I was young. I actually remember I was a competitive field hockey player for the majority of my youth growing up and one of my big goals initially in my younger days was to represent New Zealand at the 2000 Olympics. So that basically occupied all of my my younger years and I always remember again people people telling me my coaches were telling me how tenacious I was and at the time I had no idea what that was so I had to get out the old dictionary you know and and look up what this word was because there was no google and it's funny it's still a word that really sticks excuse the pun with me today and uh, I think that is something that I'm I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I've cultivated I think it is something that one has to cultivate and I've purposefully cultivated being resilient and and having grit and being tenacious in all the things that I want to do. Because I think without it, it's too easy to flake. How do you know yourself and these attributes about yourself and how well do you believe that you know yourself? Have you done a lot of personal development work over the years? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm a an avid reader like I devour books and uh, one of the first books that I ever read was a personal development book which I think I picked up when I was maybe 14 and it was Feel the Fear and Do It Anyways by Susan Jeffers. Are you familiar with that one? No I'm not but I love the the title of it. Tell me more. Yeah it's it's, it's so old school but it's just one of those classics right and I, I can't remember I mean it must have had a huge impact on me at the time as a, as a young 14 year old and that really kind of set the tone and catapulted me me into this whole needing to learn more and understand about myself and human behavior. I think one of my second big classics was one of Anthony Robbins's books. I think it might've been The Power Within. Mm. And I I really took that on board as as a young girl. And yeah, so I've always made a concerted effort to do personal development in the form of, of books and, and nowadays listening to podcasts and, and so forth, trying to get as much feedback as possible from other people about how I show up in, in their lives and how I show up in, in general. And I just think, you know, that's part of life is just to have this this amazing quest to be the best person that you possibly can be. Do you attend, you mentioned Tony Robbins' book. Have you been to his seminars? Do you attend seminars like that? Are you yes. drawn to that? Yeah. Very much so. I don't so much these days in the last, you know, four or five years since I've been specifically working on my business because those are some luxuries that I can't afford to have these days. <laughs> but <laughs> back when I was a personal trainer, I was like, basically I was a, a personal development whore. So I... <laughs> I was just about to say, maybe you were a PD junkie, but let's go with that. If that's what <laughs> I got around. I did the PD circuit. But interestingly enough too, I found that it was very easy to get hooked on doing the PD work without actually doing the work. So it was almost like a badge of honor to say, hey, I've read this book. I've gone to this seminar. I've learned this without actually taking the time to implement. So what I've found really useful over the last few years now is just being able to allow 
the stuff that I have learned to really marinate and to practice a lot of the things, the personal development stuff that I have, have, you know, learned over the years. And I think that's been the, the hardest part. I think anyone can read information or take information on, but that doesn't mean to say that it's really, they've really embodied the information. That's right. That's that whole thing. I say it often on this podcast that knowledge isn't power, applied knowledge is power. So Correct. it's one thing to go and learn. And then it's another thing to actually take the action, implement it into your own lives or to teach others, because I believe you learn a lot through teaching as well. Oh, you certainly do. You learn a lot about yourself through teaching. That's for sure. <laughs> Speaking of, so you work a as an empowering female leader for other females, and we'll unpack that a lot within your business, but interested to know who's who are your mentors and or role models to give you your inspiration and, and guide you in the work that you do? Is it mostly females, but you mentioned Tony Robbins there, or you know, are you drawn to just determined, gritty, tenacious, <laughs> resilient people? I think I might be actually. Probably right now at this point in my life, I, I have this mad love affair crush with Brendan Bouchard. Ah, are you familiar yeah. with him? Absolutely. High performance habits yeah. and yeah, follow yeah, him yeah. online. Yep. I absolutely love him. So he's BB1. And then my other love affair crush is Brené Brown. So she's BB2. Mm. <laughs> so, Hang on, what's BB? Well, it's the, it's the initials of their names, Brendan Bouchard okay. and BB, Renee <laughs> so Brown. So right. I'm like BB1 and 2. I've really just dug into those two a lot in the last few years. I've done a lot of Brendan's, by the way, we're also on first name basis. He doesn't know it, but we are. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a lot of his courses and a lot of his trainings online and I've just found them super useful. So he's all about high performance habits and, and productivity and, you know, that motivation you have to cultivate from within. And whilst I still love Anthony Robbins, don't get me wrong, he was my kind of my first. Right now at this stage of my life, I find Brendan's word a lot more applicable and useful for where I'm at with my personal life and with what I'm trying to do with my business and trying to, to chase my vision down as well. And then I just think Brene Brown, I think every single woman in this world needs to get on board Brene Brown's work and really tune into what she's saying about vulnerability and wholeheartedness. You must see that a lot with the work that you do because you are now focused more than ever on the females within the fitness industry. Yeah. You've been working in the fitness industry for two decades now. So what has driven that line of focus for you to to really narrow down and work so closely, just hone in your niche being women in the fitness industry? Yeah, I think it's been a little bit of an evolution. I think possibly too, because now that I'm a little bit older, I'm in my early 40s. So the way I view world and also my body and and my health is very different to say when I was in my young years as a 20 year old. But I think given the fact that we have this huge platform available to people now, social media, so you got Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all these other bits and pieces, it's a double-edged sword on, you know, and one part and aspect is amazing because now we get exposure to hugely inspirational people and people like yourself can have a platform to do something like this. And that's amazing. The dark side of this is that we're seeing uh, role models who really shouldn't be role models. There's a lot of bad messages being sent out there. And it was interesting to watch the way the fitness industry kind of shifted about seven years ago 
as social media really started to explode. And I don't know if you saw it as well from, you know, through your perspective and, and your lens, but I didn't like the way the fitness industry changed. So back when I first started, of course, people, women were still wanting weight loss and, and aesthetic goals, but there wasn't this intense pressure to look a specific way that I think now shows up. And I was seeing everyday women getting caught up in this comparison trap because they were seeing people on social media and they were thinking that's the way that they had to look. There's on social media just a, a very small, narrow ideal of what a, a, a fit female body should look like. Like It's typically very small, very lean, big boobs, booty and blonde, right? And so that's a very narrow example of what beauty actually is defined by. And I was starting to think about, well, hang on a minute, it's becoming very elitist. It's becoming very uh, exclusive. It's not a very diversified industry. And I was like, this is not cool because we as a fitness industry are not reaching the people that really need to be helped. Statistically, you only need to look at Australia, right? You know, more than 50% of Australians are overweight and obese. And so we're not having a huge impact in the way that we should be having. So I was like, what's going on here? There's something really diabolically wrong. And so I just kind of started thinking about what does this industry need? It needs more empathy. It needs more care. It needs examples of women who are going through journeys that can resonate with the women who are also going through journeys. Essentially, I was just like, you know what? We need more women in our industry who are willing to take on those leadership roles. And that's why I changed my focus to specifically working with female personal trainers so that I can help support them become the leaders that in turn can have this epic flow and effect to all the people that happen to be in those women's world. And if you think about family units, you know, the mum, she, she glues families together and she has a huge ripple on effect. So that's why I do what I do now. That's beautiful. That's what I was thinking as I was listening to you where it's, it is more of the ripple effect, not just you helping that individual in their industry, but how they will then be stronger, more resilient, probably yep. more tenacious after the work with you and, <laughs> and having their, their ripple effect. So what does your work look like? How do you work with these women? Mostly. Yeah. So at the moment, I'm, I'm very lucky. I've got kind of a two parts to my business. So one big part is taking on a mentorship role with female personal trainers or business owners where I, I work with them one-on-one in small groups and it's called Tribe. The idea here is that I really want these women to feel like they are part of something bigger than themselves. So yes, they're all running their own businesses, but at the same time, they want, I want them to be part of something really inclusive because at the end of the day, you know, I honestly believe in the whole theory that, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. And I think in the industry right now, and I am seeing this in different, what's the word? What's the word? Other areas. <laughs> Other industries. <laughs> Thank you. Industries. <laughs> that we are seeing the rise of the feminine. So I'll just drop that in there. I don't know how woo-woo that is for your listeners, but I've just dropped that in. <laughs> and so I'm kind of seeing that rise happening. And I, I feel a, a, a responsibility to also help raise all these other women as well. And so it's, it's made of coaching and a full-on curriculum where I dig into every single element of their business. So we look at specific strategies and procedures that are required to, to run an amazing personal training business today, whether that's face-to-face or in the online space or as a hybrid. But interestingly, the majority of my work when it comes to working with these women is not about the strategy and procedures so much. 
more it's all about belief systems and helping them overcome limiting beliefs that they hold about themselves. So that's kind of what's happening on one path. And then on the other path, I'm really fortunate that I have my own course for trainers and I get to travel the world and train trainers and teach them how to understand women more effectively. So I'm all about the women. Beautiful. And that's why I want to come back to then. Talk to me. You said, I'm just going to drop the rise of the feminine here. Don't know how we yes. would. Not we would. I want you to, I want to hear it from you. What does that, what are you seeing? What are you feeling? And mm. what are you uh, seeing that will happen in the future with this rise of the feminine? Because I'm a fan of it. I, it kind of, Sometimes I look at it and say, well, why is this happening now? Why didn't it happen so much longer ago? I think I'm a little bit naive to it. I, I've always had really, really great relationships and really strong, mm. empowering female mentors in my life. So I, I haven't seen the real disconnect. I, I guess I've been blessed in this little bubble of not seeing that disconnect, but I get it. I understand that it's there. So what yeah talk to me what do you see what do you feel about the rise of the feminine oh such a juicy question <laughs> oh my gosh it's not with how i feel about it I, I, t- to me it just feels like women across across the globe are finally feeling empowered enough to use their voice for change so no longer are they stifling their opinions or playing or trying to satisfy everyone and, and just say yes. I, I, it feels like women have all of a sudden been given this permission card just to say what they want to say and to express themselves how they want to express themselves. And, I, you know, I do think that if we look at what's happened over the past decades, there has been patriarchal oppression to a certain extent, you know, society is largely patriarchal, but I think, you know, that's really shifted in the, in the last few years. And whether that's because we, because of the social media platform where we now get to see examples of women leaders who aren't afraid to use their voice and stand up, that more and more women are feeling more confident and empowered to do so as well. I mean, let's take Malala as an example. You know, here she's this young, beautiful teenager who's stood up against an entire regime who's been showcased around the world. And I just think that in subcultures and subsets of different industries, more and more women are taking on positions of leaderships within a CE role or a CFO role in those typical obviously male-dominated industries as well. So maybe it's just we're exposed to more amazing badass leaders because I think growing up, I I can't recall good examples of females that I was like, I want to be like her. Whereas now I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's so many to choose from. I mean, let's just, I'm biased, but let's just take Jacinda Ardern as an example, (laughs) the New Zealand Prime Minister (laughs) who's leading with, you know, an open heart, strong back. Like... That would have been, this, this would never have happened 100 years ago whatsoever. So I think it's just it's that having the courage to speak your mind and to voice your truth and be okay doing so. At the same time, I think we've got this rise of this really strong, beautiful masculine who is also supporting this rise though. I think you, you, can't, have the, you can't have one side. You have to have the two working together here, the duality of the two. Does that make sense? Oh, of course, absolutely. Do you bring that into your work? Do you make that known? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 very much so. And, I, you know, it, it frustrates me when people bag feminism and they say, oh, you know, feminists are just male-hating dudes. And I'm like, no, they're not. No. 
true feminism is about equality and it's about not man-hating, it's about rising together as a unit. I believe that when you have a functional feminine and masculine within yourself and also within partnerships, and we're not talking about gender here, it is a powerful thing. Do you you feel... Have you done work around that space? You're masculine and you're feminine? <laughs> not, not so specifically. I, I, I'm very interested in it. I dive into it. Mike, my husband, you've interviewed before. He's right down that rabbit hole. I'm very aware of it because I do tend to operate from my masculine. And so for me, learning how to create balance between my masculine and my feminine has been a really big work on in the last three or four years. And it's really it's something that's showing up for us in our marriage as well. So. You know, I've had to work very hard to drop the get shit done Gary V type um, way of operating to allow myself to soften and, and to be more vulnerable and all of that sort of stuff. And if I pull it back to how we started this conversation with my women, it is really interesting watching my women female trainers because they are so in their masculine because the fitness industry is actually really masculine. Mm. So teaching them how to build a business from a place of flow and powerful, empowered feminine energy, not hypersexualized energy is teaching them how to come home to themselves and then how to use that to build their business versus let's just put a marketing funnel in place or, <laughs> or let's, let's build out your email list, which are important strategies, but this is why we have to work on, on the belief system, who they are first in order to create a really strong business. And that is why I've done what I've done because I know I'm going on a tangent. I promise you I come back full circle. There is no tangents. <laughs> <laughs> because I think deep down I was so sick of seeing business being done in a hyper-masculine way. And for myself, it never felt good. And I didn't understand why it felt good until I started exploring what my feminine energy was. Mm. There we go. Mic drop. <laughs> unpacked it together. There we go. You just helped me unpack that whole thing. <laughs> and actually, we're going to dive down that a little bit more. But before we do, we've already been talking for a while, but I just want to say, Nadia Tweet Norman, welcome to your life of impact. <laughs> Hunt, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been connected through the abundant community of the Elevation Complete Health and Fitness Center on the Gold Coast where we both coach from and I haven't actually done a session with you yet, unfortunately. You sort of took over the classes that I had been doing when I left to come over here to Sweden, but you know what? I'm going to hit you up. I'm ready for a, a Nadia Norman coaching session when I get back. I'm going to come in and uh, ready ready to be smashed. We can do a smash uh, a smash sesh swap. Oh, that, that makes me very happy on the inside. <laughs> so you mentioned there your husband, Mike Campbell, and I had him on the podcast a while ago and mm-hmm. brilliant episode, lots of good feedback about that. Now, Mike, as you mentioned, he's a man coach. Yep. You work as a woman's coach and you just uh, <laughs> sort of scratched the surface there before. How does yep. that play out? in a relationship how does it complement each other and what are your challenges i can only imagine your dinner table discussions sometimes about each other's days (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's interesting i think the challenge you know when you work at home with your spouse or with a partner that brings on a whole host of challenges anyways and i personally am somebody that requires a lot of physical and emotional space So that's one big thing we've had to kind of work on and we've had to put strategies in place for that. We 
we're very good at sitting down together as a couple and working out what are our value systems? What are we working towards? Like what's our big couple vision in life? How do we want to show up as, as husband and wife for each other? And we spent a lot of time talking about this stuff before we even got married. So we were engaged for two years. And in that time I was like, we're not ready to get married until we have hashed out all of these kind of conversations and had this really open communication. So that's something that we both highly value. So in, in our relationship and also being, being coaches, look, you know, I, I'm not perfect. And Mike is a lot better at being communicative than I am. I, I just get the shits a whole of the time and throw things. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have to use my words <laughs> to try and, and break it down. But for us, it's really about just having courageous conversations constantly, even if they make us feel icky and even if I'm hugely resistant to it and I don't want to do it. So it's, I, I think part of having a robust marriage is being willing to lean into these shitty conversations even when the first thing you want to do is just like put it under the carpet and have a bottle of wine. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. That can come later because it's more of a reward than it's, you know, nothing great ever comes from the, I shouldn't say nothing great, but most of the greatness usually comes from breaking through the comfort zone. And those courageous conversations are usually the hardest steps to take. It's, It's really interesting that you talk about that because in terms of the the setting the values and the relationship goals together and the open communication, mm. Marie and I are exactly the same and we always talk about, well, how are we evolving as individuals and how do we want to evolve as a couple mm. now as parents, but the individual aspect is important to us. So we support each other as individuals first and then we're a beautiful couple and then we're parents. And yes. and going through those same sort of processes that you, that you elaborated on, how... How challenging is that? Do you feel for like what do you see in the people that you work with in regards to might not be loving relationships, but in terms of their relationships with their clients or their relationships with themselves? Are these kind of steps what people? Is this what you work on a lot with people? Yeah, to help them with their growth. Yeah, totally. Surprisingly, well, not surprisingly, actually, this this is the the majority of my work. A lot of my trainers. One of the biggest things is that they operate from a place of not enoughness. So there's this insidious thought that they've either picked up, they've learnt, or they've decided to adopt a belief from somebody else that's not necessarily theirs, but the not enoughness fuels them. And that that plays out in in different ways in their personal lives and in the business and the way that they can't conduct themselves with, with their clientele. So a lot of the stuff that we have to talk about is helping them overcome the not enoughness for them, whether that's not pretty enough, strong enough, fit enough, rich enough, whatever it is for them, breaking down those beliefs and getting them to, to think about and recreate new empowered beliefs and operating from that place, also that kind of that place of abundance versus that place of scarcity that a lot of them do have as well. And at the end of the day, it comes down to two, two primary things. Number one is the ability to have those courageous conversations with one, yourself first and foremost, and the other people in your inner circle. And two, practicing radical responsibility with yourself. Boom. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that second, I think those are the two that we're so good at bullshitting ourselves. We're so good at telling our stories about why we can't do something, why we can't get outside our comfort zone, why we can't achieve our goals, and we just fuel our own bullshit. So 
if we have that courage to go, hang on a minute, is this true? Is this valid? Can I rethink this? And then getting super honest with yourself and going, yeah, nah, I'm holding myself back or no, this is where I'm sabotaging myself or this is where I'm not being my best. You know, then we can start working with that and changing those things around. And that's when people become really empowered and they feel inspired and that motivation really does come from within. It's a work on progress though. This is not something that happens overnight, right? You know this with your work with all of your people as well. It, it, it takes time and I think us humans are funny. We're like onions. You, un, you, uh, you peel back one layer and then, oh, hello, there's another <laughs> layer you've got to deal with. And then you peel back that layer and you keep going down and down and down. So um, over the course of working with these women, you know, we sort of started those superficial not enoughness things. And then by the end of the year, we've, we've gone right down to the root causes of what's driving them. And but they've changed. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that that onion analogy is the the beauty and the challenge of the human experience. And I, <laughs> I say it's more the beauty than the challenge because how boring would it be if you just went, oh yeah, year with Nadia and all my problems of the world are solved. I've got this. <laughs> I mean, I'm amazing, but I'm not that amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that, and that not enoughness, it, you know, it goes back to a lot of that aspect of really understanding the the thought dynamics of the thoughts that we have and the stories that we create in our minds and how much we, our actions, our behaviors in our life and our habits and our actions, they're, they're results of what's going on in our subconscious mind. So that not enoughness that's going through your client's minds, not strong enough, not pretty enough, not fit enough, not rich enough, not good enough, whatever it is, that's funneling through there. So then obviously the actions that they're taking or their behaviors and their inactions, so not breaking mm-hmm. through is just fueled from that. So I love that you're going down, doing that deeper sort of work. And then I imagine that their results of the, the big breakthroughs that actually happen externally are more coming from, from them and them creating those opportunities, not you saying, hey, do this with your business, but you're mm-hmm. really allowing them to understand who they are so they operate from that place of good enough and enoughness because they're then fueling their subconscious and their actions are happening from that space. 100%. And that's why I didn't want to be just another fitness business mentor that talked about strategy. I just, to me, business and mindset are inextricably linked. I I can't pull them apart. And Robin Sharma, are you familiar with him? Do you know Robin Sharma? He's the guy who wrote The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Mm. He has this really cool quote and it is is something along the lines of your income and your impact can't outgrow your personal stories. Mm -hmm. And that's a quote that I keep going back to and and especially with my girls as well, because it's whatever those, those beliefs that you hold about yourself, true or not, will determine whether you take action or not, which in turn plays out in your directly in your business. And so I, I think it's, it's really important to, to do the mindset work at the same time as putting strategies in place to build a robust business. And this is not just exclusive to the fitness industry. I think as any business owner would probably relate to this, um, you know, if you own a business, then you're personally involved in it. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. And that's the resonating message that keeps coming through with everything with you is that right from the start and talking about yourself and your personal development work, what you do with your clients, whether they're in business or not, it's so 
important and empowering that we all know ourselves at that deeper level, that we keep peeling those layers of the onion back because Mm -hmm. guess what? Once we know that layer, there's more work to do and that means more growth, more abundance in our lives each time we work through that grit. Yeah, 100%. And it's just the working through it part, right? I think people have this weird expectation that they do the work and then they're done, like we we talked about before. But I, I think this is part of the human experience also is that the work is never done. I, I think, you know, we, we, do we ever arrive? I, I don't know. That's a metaphorical question that we could spend all day talking about. But I think that's the beauty of why we're partly here also is that we can just keep evolving, keep doing the work to see who we can actually become, which I think is pretty cool. Absolutely. So speaking of who we can become, I noticed that you on your LinkedIn profile, it says that you are- Oh, you went there. I went there. (laughs) I don't don't think it's been touched for a while. (laughs) No. (laughs) But one thing that stood out with me was you said that you're a multi-passionate freedom entrepreneur. What does that mean? Do you know, the multi-passionate thing was really interesting for me because for as, for as long as I can remember, even going back to university, I was always told I had to specialize into something. I always, you know, I was forced, I had to do a degree. I had to pick my vocation at this tender age of 18. And I could never understand why I only could only pick one thing because I have, for as long as I remember, have always been interested in multiple different topics. I'm really eclectic with my music, with my books. I'm like, why do do I have to pick one? And it was actually only maybe eight or 10 years ago when I started digging into this entrepreneur called Marie Forleo. Mm. I'm not sure if you know who she is. Absolutely. Brilliant. She's brilliant, right? And it was the first time I'd heard anyone describe themselves as being multi-passionate. And I was like, oh my God, that is me. Finally, I've got a definition. I don't fit into this box over here. I can actually own the fact that I have a lot of interests in a lot of different areas and spaces and they don't compete with each other. They actually work together to help me get into my zone of genius. And so once I allowed myself to embrace those parts of me that I love everything, that was, that just, it just helped me out so much. And that's actually why I'm now doing the job that I'm doing is because I've pulled together lots of different skill sets and different passions to create the products that I currently have. And then when it came to that freedom entrepreneur part, my core value is freedom. So everything What does freedom I, mean to you? Oh, good question. It means the ability to have a choice to do what I want. So it doesn't mean having a shitload of money or anything like that. It means if I want to go for a walk, I want to go for a walk. Or if I want to experience life through travel, I get to do that. It's about having the freedom to create whatever I want to create at any moment in time. I dislike the idea of conforming and being put in a box. And so to be a freedom entrepreneur, it's, it's basically is the, the North star of my business. Everything I do, um, every decision I make is weighed up against the question, is this going to make me feel free or is this going to make me feel stuck? Brilliant. And it's a pretty easy answer. <laughs> if it makes me feel free, cool, I'm going to do it. If it makes me feel expanded and light, I go for it. If it makes me feel stuck and contracted, it's a firm no. As, as the other part of that was to the freedom piece with working with my trainers and therefore the trickle on effect to women and, and just general women is that I want women to experience a sense of freedom in their bodies to express themselves however they choose to. So in that sense, I'm kind of like advocating the freedom piece there. Beautiful. Do they resonate with that? Because if it's yes. not someone else's core value, I guess the, the language 
needs to match their visions and their internal drivers and their values? Yeah, I'm very lucky that the women I work with are of a particular archetype and all of the archetypes, we we all come together very well. So, I mean, that's the beautiful, beautiful thing about having a niche market is that my market is attracted to the messaging and the language that I put out. Which is the way it should be. I love that. I think I've heard yeah. you say before that the people that you bring into your programs are the ones that you would want to have a glass of wine with. Yeah, that is my <laughs> martini test. It's a wine or a martini test. If I can sit down with somebody and have a martini and a glass of wine and, and be happy with that, they're in. If love I can't it. spend time with someone, <laughs> we're not going forward. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. How so? Most of your work now is in the online community. Uh, you know, creating these courses that you do and then running your programs online. Would how mm-hmm. would you say it's about eighty to ninety percent of your work is online now? Yeah, yeah, the majority. And then I am very lucky that I still get to go do face to face stuff. So in my tribe group, I bring them together and we do weekend immersions three to four times a year. Well, that that's what I was going to ask about those interpersonal relationships that you kind of don't get so much with, with the online space, but that's how you tap into that. I do. And then I get to go travel. So for example, on Friday, I get to travel down to Sydney and present to a team of trainers down there. So I, you know, I I do make sure that I'm still getting that uh, contact time, getting in front of people. And that was actually one of the reasons why I chose to work at Elevation as well. I was just craving humans. I needed to be around someone other than Mike, love him dearly, but his face was in my space all the time. And <laughs> I just, <laughs> there's only so, so long I can hang out and watch the neighbors next door hang out there washing. So I was like, you know, <laughs> being a creep. So going to Elevation was amazing because I get to connect in with real people again and just be in that environment. Yeah, I'm hearing you. That's We did exactly the same thing because all our li- all our well, 90% of our work was online and we got back to Australia from Sweden and we were both craving it and that's how we came across Elevation too. So mm. to have that that person-to-person contact and impact and influence and just feeling their energy, that's what I love about mm-hmm. working with people as well. And also just being, you're being forced to be around other people as well. I think it's really easy when you work from home, you can get really insular and isolated and your my, I should say my, I'll own this, <laughs> my tolerance for humans goes down sometimes. <laughs> so, so to be around, you know, other people in an uncontrolled environment, I think it's really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> a little bit of a tangent here. What's your beliefs on nutrition? So are you, are you looking at food for health and nutrition before food for performance? Cause I feel like, mm. you know, I feel like in the, in the fitness industry and I worked more in the high performance sport rather than the fitness industry, but I had a massive disappointment with the nutrition approaches in high performance sport. Cause it's all about the instant bang for your buck not so much about the the longer term well-being nothing about gut health and i've done a lot of work yeah. in gut health you know over the last few years especially after quitting my job in full time high performance sport but yeah what what's what's your beliefs around food yeah my ultimately now um health comes first health is everything health sits at the at the base of everything and it includes performance so you know I personally eat to fuel myself for health and make sure that I hit all my nutrient intake. So I basically like to follow macros. It, it just is something that works really well for me and the way I am. I'm, I don't say that works for everybody, but it, it suits me to a T. And without health, I can't perform. So the two things are linked. Now, I know that, you know, 
now that I've, I've retired, come out of retirement and started playing hockey again, and I, I'd like to think of myself as an athlete once again, I'm finding, <laughs> I'm finding that I am having to adjust my nutrition a little bit to meet the demands of my hockey game. But just in general, I, I really believe in just making sure that we're eating as, as many real foods as possible, whole foods, predominantly plant-based with some high-quality protein and fats. For females, I'm a big believer that we do need to be eating carbohydrates because of our thyroid health. And this is what intermittent fasting is so interesting. I think it works really well for men, and I was a big intermittent faster for a really long time. But anecdotally, I suffered hormonally as a response to that for me. And the research I've looked into for women isn't overly favorable as well. So whilst I like that, and I'll do it occasionally, I think repetitive intermittent fasting for females probably isn't that brilliant. But going back to what I was saying, the big rocks of nutrition, plants, protein, fats, and carbohydrate. Love it. And of course, moderation. As I say, you know, you got chuck and wine and beer and chocolate, you know, and the things that make you, that give you some enjoyment and that you really love to eat. Like I think food is a beautiful way to connect with people as well. When you go out for dinner and celebrations, all those kinds of of things. Yeah, I completely agree. Marie and I sort of live by the 80-20 rule. We never measure whether it is 80-20 or not. Sometimes it's (laughs) 90-10, sometimes it might be skewing the other way, but it's, it's so important. But that, that's the thing, right? If you're making really health conscious choices most of the time and it just becomes your way of life then like you said of course you have to enjoy i remember i bumped into you and mike at the shops one night and it's like oh what, what are you guys up to tonight and you said you know what robo i'm having pizza and ice cream tonight and yeah. night in. awesome <laughs> so good sweet. on you treat yourself because i know that you wouldn't do that every night <laughs> no no i think um good nutrition is a form of health of, of self-care Right. And I think people kind of forget about this, but with the food that you put in your mouth is, is basically you telling yourself how much you value yourself or not. Because if you're willing to take the time to choose good foods or to choose um, nutritious foods or take the time to cook for yourself, what you're really saying is I'm worth the time. For sure. Yeah. That's mm. self-respect and self-value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love it. And uh, just quickly on that intermittent fasting too, we've found uh-huh. the same thing. So I worked with a functional medicine practitioner for years. Ah, and, yeah. yeah. And I get I love it. I do it I do it five out of seven days. I intermittent fast. Yeah. I try and do the sixteen and eight most days. Yeah. Sometimes I'll push to an eighteen or twenty without eating. I I I thrive on it. But yeah. what we he Carl had said to us from the beginning don't tell Marie to follow you because it doesn't work the same for women as it does for men. Hormonally, it is completely different and there's only a small window between cycles that they can actually give it a go. And, you know, you've even then got to be really careful with it. Yeah. And, you know, it, I like the idea. I really enjoyed the practice of it. But yeah, my body was like, no. Mm. And I think, you know, that's a big take home point there. Just because people are doing it or because you enjoy the practice of something, you can't dismiss what your body is telling you. Like if you really tune into her or to him, your body, it will tell you what's working for you and what's not if you're really in tune. And I'm a massive believer that we are all experts in our own body. Some of us have moved away and we've forgotten that we actually are the expert of our own body. So we mm-hmm. need to kind of to, to relearn how to connect back into our bodies. But once you do, right, you, you can be very intuitive with your food choices and your exercise choices and the, the types of self-care that you need. And the more you can tap into that, the better your choices can be for you in that moment. And you can adapt as you see fit. Yeah, it's funny you say that because as much as 
I know myself really well and, you know, nutrition and do a lot of work with myself. When I came across high fat, low carb and did a lot of research around that and I looked into it for a while before I did it and I thought, I'm going to give it a crack. It makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. to me with longevity and with the ketone aspect and it fit well with intermittent fasting as well. And I did it for a while and I I definitely didn't go keto but went really high fat, really low carb and it burnt me out. Yeah, yeah. because I've always been scared of uh, you know the the shitty carbs like your your pastas and your white breads and sugars and things like that, which is a good thing to to avoid. But then, so now it it took me a while to realise it, and then tapping back into to car with the functional medicine side of things and just going, hang on, where are my really good nutritious carbs that I'm going to get? And sweet potato is an addiction of mine now. Oh yeah, (laughs) (laughs) old sweet potato. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And just bringing in the really good, uh, it, it makes such a big difference. Oh, totally. And I, I think nutrition is really personalized. And absolutely. If, if, if we're, and I'm talking to clients now, especially if we've got any gym members listening, you have to learn what works for your body, not what your favorite Instagram star is doing, not what you're reading from Women's Health or, you know, NW. It takes practice and and focus to to really learn what works for your body and what one is one man's medicine is another man's poison. So that's what you've got to really work out for yourself. Absolutely. And that, that once again, it's one of those things. It takes time. It does. It really does. Cool. Well, Nadia, I've got a few questions that I'm going to ask you before we wrap up. Uh, before we do, I just want to say, though, that we kind of had a chat about this before we started, but Marie is a personal trainer now and just sort of starting off in this space after her career as a professional athlete. And she's She's got a lot of grit and loves to coach. So I'm stoked. I just want to say that I'm stoked. She has a great role model like yourself and a solid community of what you've built to, to tap into straight away because of the work that you're doing. Awesome. Thank you. I can't wait to, to get to hang out with her. Absolutely. And she will resonate too because we do a lot of work from home together. So she'll resonate yeah. with watching the neighbors <laughs> hang their washing yeah. with you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. Firstly, what do you believe is good action for people to take to make more of an impact in their lives and in their communities? Oh, wow. What a great question that is. Okay. I'm going to keep it very action-based and I'm going to say just take action. Now, I know that (laughs) seems a little bit obvious. Thank you, Captain Obvious Nadia. But what I mean by that, if there is a, a, if you have a a soul prompt or an inkling or you're like, oh, I feel like I should do that, then do it. Take action on whatever that thing that has been downloaded in your brain. Because those things, those moments of, oh, I want to, I wonder if, my dream is to. That's your higher self, soul, whatever you want to call it, giving you a little nudge there to take action in that direction. If we ignore those nudges, then we, you know, we, 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 don't, we don't kind of move into that space of having impact. Intuition. Thank you, Captain Obvious, because it's, off, it's usually the, the obvious <laughs> things that we overlook. <laughs> yep, totally. Don't ignore your nudges. Two-part question here. Where can we learn more about you online? Obviously, uh, we won't go to the LinkedIn, but is there social no. media or website <laughs> yes. or something like that? And then how can I and the listeners help you on your journey? Oh, amazing. Okay. So come across to my Instagram page. It's the easiest place to go at Nadia Norman. So I'm Nadia with an R. And how can you best help me? 
Well, of course, come over and, and, and share your stories with me over on Instagram. If you are a budding personal trainer and you need help, then certainly reach out. I'd love to help you in any way, shape or form. I really love just hearing from people. Remember, I'm sitting at home alone, peeps. So uh, drop me a, ma- a message. <laughs> make, make me feel less less alone no but honestly you can reach out to me through my instagram handles and i think that in order to help me i would just love it if you take something of value from today and take action on something brilliant i love that i'll link there at nadia norman in the show notes of this episode and i highly encourage everyone listening to shoot a little personal message and see what their neighbors are hanging on the, yeah. the line for the day <laughs> <laughs> so Nadia, one of my top core values is giving and I give all my guests a gift for giving their time and value on the podcast. And given the fact that you are a PD junkie and we've been talking a lot about health and wellness, I am giving you a place in our upcoming online program. Sorry, there's not much uh, face-to-face stuff here, but it's an online program for our gut health. So how to transform and optimize your gut health and gut brain connection. Amazing. Thank you so much. It's really appreciated. I look forward to jumping on and I love that. I love anything to the gut. So perfect. Awesome. Yeah. I figured that you've probably done a lot of when you say that you just devour mm-hmm. books and everything, but I, knowing what it's like in the, the PD junkie world, that there's always something to take from every little element that we look into. Uh, look, you said the C word. I'm a sucker for a course. In <laughs> fact, this is, this is the one thing that I hide from Mike. He put me on a course ban. So Ooh. I sneak in courses. So I'm like, this is a to me. <laughs> so this is awesome. I appreciate that, Robo. Well, I hope I don't create any tension in the relationship <laughs> by bringing a course into the course band period. <laughs> Not going to tell him. <laughs> we won't let him listen to this episode. <laughs> All right, before we finish, is there anything else you want to say to the listeners or anything you would like to ask me? Oh my gosh, there's a gazillion things I'd like to ask you. I'm going to ask you this specific question. What are your observations and feelings on the rise of the feminine? Yeah, like I said before, I actually, it kind of baffles me sometimes to know that I live in the time where we are experiencing the rise of the feminine. Why isn't there equality? Why isn't this already happening? And also, when you were mentioning before around how some people, and I imagine this is males and females that look at it like this, when they see femininity and they they say that it's oh, it's all these women just trying to you know push men aside and be better than men, I think that's a really narrow perspective to look at it when it's just people who are on the same journey and linking together to empower each other to, to be that voice. I think the way I look at it is bring it on. And if I, I actually thrive on it. I look to people like yourself and our good friend, Amber Hawken. And like Mm. I said, I've got my coach when I was at the AIS, she's a Ukrainian woman and she's so strong and powerful and just bleeds for her athletes and will go to war for her athletes. And, you know, I love that. I thrive off it. I, I wouldn't be where I am today without this, this rise of feminist action in, in the world. Mm. So bring it on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And that right there is the mark of a, a strong masculine man. 
do Thank that. you. I'll take that. I, I must have listened to your husband, Mike, when he was talking a lot about the masculine <laughs> feminine energies. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Nadia, you're a legend. Your grit, your curiosity, your tenacity and your internal drive is infectious and no doubt all women, not just those in the fitness industry, will be drawing a hell of a lot of inspiration from you. Keep shining your impactful light to the world. Thank you, Rory. Thank you, everyone. There you go, legends. Take action. (laughs) Make sure you follow Nadia online and even give her a little shout out on Instagram or Facebook to let her know that you heard this episode with her and maybe ask what color the neighbor's undies are on on the line that day. Don't forget we have the Gut Health and Gut Brain Connection online program now open for registration. So you can come and join the PD Junkie herself in this round. (laughs) Check out all the info at yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash gut health and simply reach out with any questions at all. I trust you guys gained plenty of value from this epic chat with Nadia and her abundant energy. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.